I live in a condo building where for a number of years, some of the units have had problems with water seeping in their stucco and through tiles and on the balconies. And the owners of these particular units would raise a really big fuss with the homeowners association to fix the problems. Now these weren't minor problems. One person had water dripping regularly through the ceiling and not going into gutters when it rained, dripping down onto their balcony. The stucco on the side corner of another unit was chipping. And worst of all, there was one unit on the third floor where their balcony rail was starting to move and about to fall off, and the city ended up condemning that balcony till it got fixed. Yet each problem didn't come up all at once. It was gradual over a couple of years. And so each homeowner would agitate for themselves. Our balconies are kind of like boxes where one side is wide open on a beautiful view. And it's almost like each person was looking in their particular box without looking at the whole. And the prayers for their fixes up to that point were a bunch of grumpy emails and wrangling about details. How are you going to fix my problem? Help me with my balcony. Legitimate requests. But finally a board member stood back and was like, wait a minute. This may be more than a couple of units. This may be an us problem, something impacting the whole building. And sure enough, a structural engineer confirmed, yes, your little building with 18 units does have an us problem. You're in the very, very early stages of water seeping in and rotting some of the beams and the type of problem that brought down that big complex in Florida. We had the me, 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 and then the us. And the us vision helped us see what needed to be fixed and what kind of structural change was needed, collective change. I think that's some of what's at play today in the gospel. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, not teach me, to teach us. And Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. The Lord's Prayer is actually a prayer about us, about community. It's a world-changing prayer. A prayer with the eye on changing lives and the world. There's no me in this prayer. My daily bread, my sins. It's about us collectively moving together. This is all about cosmic change, a vision of cosmic change, that through a relationship with God, all of us can have familial intimacy. God, our parent, hallowed be your name.
come, God, into our lives. Lord's Prayer is all about our collective relationship with the world and boldly proclaiming, Your kingdom, God, come. Boldly proclaiming that, you know, the situation in the world today is not of your desire. It's not of your making. The kingdom, as many theologians today will rephrase as kingdom, a kingdom of kindred souls. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom, the ultimate restoration of the world, the ultimate liberation and justice and life-giving love of God, a kingdom of siblings, of shared community of equals. So this prayer is all about us, us working with God, praying with God, inviting God into relationship, acknowledging the God God is in relationship with us, acknowledging God's parenthood, and asking God to feed us, nourish us, give us each day our daily bread. Now, it's not an accident that we pray the Lord's Prayer immediately before we receive communion. We pray it immediately before coming up to these rails together as a community to be fed, to be fed with the bread of life and the cup of salvation together. And then the prayer gets into the nitty-gritty of our own relationships with each other. Forgive us our sins. It's an acknowledgement. We stray from God. As we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. It's acknowledgement that we all stray from God. We all need to be reconciled. So with our loving parent God, we pray to keep our collective eyes on the kingdom and to help create the kingdom through love, through forgiveness, through sharing meals together. This is world-changing. Our prayers are declarations at some level that we trust God. We trust in the familial, we trust in in the intimate relationship to bear fruit. And that we are walking with God on a mission to literally change the world. Former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, writes that the Lord's Prayer is a prayer for the whole human condition. That as a whole, it is also a prayer for every single human being. Saying, give us all what we need in life. Give us the dignity and hope. Keep us from being plunged into crises we can't handle. And save us from the destructive power of evil. This is a prayer that acknowledges that we're reaching out to God from a very vulnerable human place. And that we're standing in the middle of a human world where God's will is not the automatic thing that we all do. It's a world where crisis abounds, where there's uncertainty, and where evil is powerfully at work. 
So to stand with dignity and a freedom. We need to know God is our parent and is with us. We need to know that whatever happens to us, God is God. God's name and power and presence and word are holy. As our glorious God is in family relationship with us intimately. So how does God answer these prayers? We hear the gospel saying, Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I personally get quite annoyed at how often these lines are twisted by various branches of our great, uh, as presiding bishop says, the great tree of Christianity. They're often yanked out of context and removed from the great conclusion of the passage we read today. The last line, the great summation of how does God answer our prayers? With the Holy Spirit. It says, how much more will the heavenly God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Maybe ponder that line when you're home or later today or in the week. It's basically saying, whoever asks receives the Spirit. Whoever searches finds the Spirit. Whoever knocks, the door to the Spirit will be opened. This gift of the Spirit is the greatest gift of all, the answer to all prayers. For the Spirit is our guide, our comforter, our companion, our teacher, our advocate. And it's through this Spirit working on our hearts that we become conformed to God's will. The Spirit moving in and through us, teaching us, comforting us, being our companion. Because the point of prayer is not necessarily to change God's mind, but to shape ours. To shape ours so that we can live the only life possible when we're in tight relationship with God, a life, a life of world-changing love. This doesn't mean stepping back from specificity in prayer. How we pray, when we pray. We are given the gift of the Spirit. So God wants us to search and to knock and to find the Spirit waiting to enliven us and feed us and defend us. I think in a sense this is a prayer of breaking out of our narrow, isolated little balconies of life. Praying to God, to, who is the great engineer of life, to work on our collective infrastructure, to shape us to be able to work on the collective infrastructure of this world that is so profoundly broken. It's a prayer to radically change us all and change the world so that we can be agents that go out and bring in, agents of bringing in the, the kingdom of God. So the disciples ask, teach us how to pray. 
all about us. Amen.